time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. In ancient Greek and Roman mythology, there were three women who control the destinies of everyone. We call these the fates, but that, that's a kind of a translation of a Latin word, uh, fate. But these fates, the fates were three women who they believed uh, were the ones who decided the fate of everyone, the, the destinies of everyone. There were three women, one who spun the thread of life another who measured the thread, and then the third one that cut the thread, ending the life of that person. And according to these mythologies, these um, fates visited every child three days after they were born to kind of decide their destiny. It was as if the destiny was already set at that point. The fates could not be escaped. They came to everyone. The path of life was already laid out, and there was no changing it. There was the spinning of the life. There was the measuring of how long it was going to last. And then there was the cut that decided the end of that. Now, we might not believe in fate, uh, but a lot of us act as if there is this strange level of fate. There are people who really do believe that there is nothing you can do about destiny. Years ago, when I was a chaplain in a hospital, I remember I was dealing with a case where there had actually been an accident in the surgery. Uh, one of the residents had created a slight little tear in uh, a, a blood vessel. And when, as they were doing surgery, it was not causing a lot of trouble. But when they gave the last little bit of blood thinner to make sure that nothing happened after the surgery... Suddenly, there was all kind of crisis. Well, in the end, the person died. And I remember this distraught widow that I was sitting with who was crying and upset and trying to come to terms with the fact that something had gone wrong in the surgery. And she was crying about uh, filing a lawsuit and calling an attorney. And, you know, we were all trying to comfort her. Not I was certainly not trying to stop her from taking action on what had happened, but was trying to comfort her. And I was watching the process unfold. And, and it was a tragic incident that really was about miscommunication in that process. Very sad, very tragic. And then I watched her uncle come in. Her uncle uh, shared a religious belief with the family and where she uh, heard this from the uncle where nothing could have been done. And she, he, the, this uncle held this widow by the shoulders, looked at her and said, you know, if it was his time, nothing could have changed that. It was his time. There was nothing that would have changed that no matter what had happened. And I was very surprised by this uh, exchange. And I was not just surprised, but in disagreement with that theology, with that belief. However, to my surprise, it was a comfort to her. She stopped her, her crying, stopped her being upset and turned to him and said, you're right. Let's go. Now, some people find comfort in that possibility that we don't have any way of controlling our future. We have no way, no possibility of changing our destiny. But I don't believe that. Those who believe that fall into the category of fatalism. Fatalism, notice the tie-in to the fates. The fatalism is that nothing you can do will change your destiny. And sometimes we have that kind of sitting in the back of our, our mind, and we don't really realize that we're playing out that fatalism. We even make jokes about it. I remember years ago as I was working to get myself back into shape after letting myself go that someone said, what's the point of exercising? All you're going to do is leave a fit corpse. 
And we often make those kind of jokes about the fact that there's nothing that you can do to change the future. I don't believe that. And what's interesting about that is how much that it, it plays into people's lives and they don't realize it. For instance, Kesarasara, whatever will be, will be, right? That's kind of that fatalistic, well, nothing can change, nothing will matter. You just have to go forward with that. I don't believe in fatalism. I don't believe that there's nothing you can do to change your destiny, to change the direction you're going. I do, however, believe in something a little bit different. I believe in reverse fatalism. So let's talk for a minute about what I mean by reverse fatalism. You see, I watch people every day trying to change not the future, but change the past. They act as if there's nothing they can do about the future. They're just stuck kind of careering down the road of their life. No way of controlling the, the path that they're on. And yet they're constantly trying to change what's already happened. And what I would propose is that we look at the opposite of that, of reverse fatalism. Reverse fatalism is that you realize that there's nothing that can be done about what has already happened. You can't change it. You can't transform that into something else as much as we try to. But you have a lot of chances of changing the direction in the future. So while a lot of people fall into that fatalistic spot where they believe that there's nothing they can do about what's coming down the road, they live in a constant state of trying to rework what has already happened. I used to hear the same thing when I was um, in the hospital as a chaplain where people were trying to have undone the damage they did to their body. You know, I wish I had stopped smoking. Why didn't I stop smoking years ago? I wish I'd stopped eating bad food. Why didn't I stop eating bad food? Why didn't I start exercising? And on and on they go. And I heard it around accidents. Why did I just not stay home that night it was raining? Why did I? And on and on they go. And as they're asking the why question, what I realized was, Behind some of those why questions was a how could it have not happened? Is there a way that I could make this a not happen event? Now, it's already happened, right? It's already whatever accident happened, whatever illness has come along has already come to manifest itself. It's already in the past. And yet people are constantly arguing with the past, trying to change the trajectory, What's interesting about that is that we have so much control about what is coming our way, but we have no control, no way of changing what has already happened. So reverse fatalism is recognizing that nothing can be done about what has already happened. You can't change it. You can't stop it. It's already happened. But there are things you can do to change your future. You can do some things about what's happened in the past. But you can't change them. And I want to be clear that that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about denying the past, but recognizing you can't change the past. In fact, denying the past is in some ways the same thing. It's trying to change what's already happened. You're trying to pretend it didn't happen. So we find this place where people try to explain the past away and they're denying it, but that's trying to change it. And then we have people who are trying to somehow make it so that it didn't have to be, somehow make it so that those events didn't happen. Now, I find myself doing the same things many times. You know, so many events that I've done in my own life, so many accidents I've had, I look back and go, why did I do that? That was just some stupid mistake. Why did I do that? And in asking the why did I do it, I'm trying to find a way around it. What I try to get to is the place where I realize that I can't undo it, and I have to accept it. I have to move forward into the future. 
So let's get down to what can be done, both about the past and about the, the future. I want to remind you of Jack Canfield's um, his equation, his success equation, which says that E plus R equals O. E plus R equals O. I interviewed Jack a while back, and if you're interested in what uh, we had to say about that, he and I having a conversation about that same formula uh, in the show notes. There is a link about some past resources, and that's one of those that I've linked to is Jack Canfield's interview where we talk about this. But let me just briefly say what I mean by E plus R equals O, what Jack means by that. E is the event, and O is the outcome. And sometimes we get to the place as fatalistic people that believe that E equals O. Whatever event is going on in our life equates to the outcome. There's nothing that happens. There's nothing that we can do to change that path. It's going to happen. So the event, whatever that event is, and it's always an external event happening to us that leads to the outcome that is inescapable. Well, what Jack talks about is that there is the R, our response to that, how we respond to the outcome. Now, let me say that Jack doesn't believe, nor do I believe, that your response is going to equal the outcome, that it's a combination of the event plus your response that leads to the outcome. And so instead of getting stuck in the place where we believe that whatever happens to us leads us to a new place, there is that place of response. But we don't want to fall into the trap of believing that we have full control of our lives. We are constantly dealing with what life throws our way. And sometimes we get lost in what is in our control and what is not in our control. That's kind of that paradox of control that I talked about before. And in that paradox of control, we uh, tend to try to control the things over which we have no control. And then we kind of abdicate control over what we do have control over. And that's part of that response piece of recognizing the places where we can have a response. But that response is not the same as the outcome. We don't have full control over what comes our way. We don't have full control over what happens to our body, what happens in the world around us, what happens to our loved ones, what happens anywhere outside of our actions, our attitude, and our aspirations. And so when we recognize that those are our places of response, it begins to change the equation. And when we change the equation, then we can move into that new place of reverse fatalism. So what do you do to practice reverse fatalism? Well, let's start with the past because we've got to put that to rest. First thing we do is accept what was. We don't have to accept what's going to happen to us because we don't know what it's going to be yet, but we do have to accept what was. Now, notice that accepting what was is not the same as acting as if it doesn't matter what happened. In fact, in some ways, it really is attending to what happened. And I believe that there are four steps to this accepting what was. And when you do this, you have to remind yourself that you can't change the events of what has happened. You can't change what has happened. It's already done. It's already in the past. That piece is already behind you. And we lose a lot of energy when we try to argue with that fact, when we try to argue with the fact that it's already behind us. So what do we do? First thing we do is we take responsibility for our role in what happened. And I want to be very clear that there are a lot of things in our lives that come along that, over which we really have no control and no role. When we're young, when we're kids, 
things might have happened to us that we had no control over. Sometimes you're driving down the road and you're doing everything right and there is a drunk driver or there's a bad driver or there's somebody else who made a mistake and there's an accident. Sometimes we're exposed to toxins around us in the environment over which we have no control over that. We don't even know what's going on and they affect us long term. But sometimes we have to take responsibility for our role in what happened. One of those formative stories, and I've told it before here, is as a chaplain in a hospital being called in late in the evening when it was very dark and very calm in the hospital. And whenever I got that call late in the evening, I was always covering that second shift. I knew it was because the nurses were having a problem with somebody and they needed me to come in and uh, help a little bit, help them calm the patient down and speak with the patient and spend some time with the patient. Well, in this case, They called me, they paged me and said that they had a patient that had a theological question, wanted to talk to me about God. So I went up to his room and I remember walking in. Now, to tell you how long ago this was, the first thing I noticed in the door, it was a darkened room, was the glow of a cigarette in his mouth. The second thing I noticed was that he had oxygen going into his nose at the same time he was smoking that cigarette. So as I walked into his room and sat down beside him, uh, he turned to me and he said, you're the chaplain, right? And I said, yes, I am. How can I help you? And he said, well, I've got a question. I said, okay. And he revealed to me that he had been given a diagnosis of terminal lung cancer. And he turned to me and he said, chaplain, why did God do this to me? Why did God give me cancer? And I said, sir, I'll answer that in just a minute, but I want you to answer a question for me first. And he said, okay. And I said, can you tell me how long have you been smoking those cigarettes? At this point, the world knew that cigarettes contributed greatly to the chances of lung cancer. And he turned to me with a startled look and he said, well, I started smoking when I was 14 or 15. And I said, okay, and and how old are you now? And he was approaching 60. And so he had spent his life smoking cigarettes to the point that even when he was in a hospital with cancer in his lungs, he was continuing to puff that cigarette. And I said, do you think that might have had anything to do with this? And he stopped for a minute. He said, I suppose I had a role in this. I said, I suppose that's the case. And I find that this is the place where we humans have the first big bump in life to decide what role we play in what's happened in our lives. Sometimes people get mired in taking responsibility for everything in their lives. They get stuck in thinking that they have caused every problem in their life. Well, that's not the case, nor is it the case that we have caused no problems in our lives. Sometimes I talk with people who just tell me they were at the wrong place at the wrong time and it wasn't their fault, missing the fact that sometimes they've chosen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Not always. There are things that happen to us. And so this point is taking responsibility for our role in what happened, not taking full responsibility for everything, but also not just walking away from any responsibility, finding a place where we take responsibility for our role and what's happened in our lives. The second thing we do in order to accept what was is to make amends when that's necessary. When we look back and we go, wow, you know, I caused some hurts. I hurt some people here to be able to go back and say, hey, I'm sorry. What can I do? 
Sometimes all you can do is apologize. Sometimes all you can do is pray a prayer of forgiveness because that person might be dead or gone and you have no way of going and making amends. But when you can, the power of making amends is it's just huge power to be able to put that behind us. Whenever we make amends, we find it much easier to lay it to rest, to put that down and put the past behind us. When we haven't made amends, we tend to be nagged by the places where we know we need to say something. We need to do something to make amends. And so it still hangs on to us. So the task is to say, you know what? I can make amends here. I can apologize. I can move forward with this after I have made amends. So the first thing is to take responsibility for your role. The second thing is to make amends to others that may have been hurt by your role. The third part is the natural extension of making amends, and that is to forgive both yourself and others. It's important to always forgive others, but it is equally important that we forgive ourselves, to let ourselves off the hook. Now, that doesn't mean that we walk away and say, I'm scot-free, but forgiveness is understanding that we're doing the best we can, that others are doing the best they can, we're ourselves doing the best we can, given where we are right now. doesn't mean you're optimally performing, but it means that you're on a path where you're doing the best you can. And you decide to accept that and move forward. Remember, you've already made amends. So you're not just walking away from the situation. But at some point, you have to make amends and let it go. And by the way, if you need help with these pieces, there are links to other podcasts that are going to help you. For instance, there is a link about taking responsibility. And there is a link about forgiveness so that you can move forward with these things. And then the last thing we do to put it to rest behind us is to learn. To accept the history as a teacher. History can teach us so much if we're willing to take in the lessons of where we've been and what we've done and how life has treated us. When we recognize that there is a lesson in whatever comes our way, then we can begin to take from the past, learn from the past, and let the past stay in the past. So then what do you do? Okay, you've now laid to rest the past and you've decided that what is what was is what was. There is no changing what happened. So then you decide to shift your focus to where you're headed. And the first step is to decide you're going to show up. You're going to be fully present in the moments that come your way. Now, are you going to be perfect at that? No. None of us are always showing up, but you can work to show up more and more. Check out one of the prior uh, podcasts about how to show up better in your life. But showing up is when you are fully there emotionally. When somebody's talking with you, you're not waiting for your chance to tell them all that you know, but you're listening to them. You're paying attention to what's coming your way. You're really emotionally present. And part of what's required in being emotionally present is having released the past so you're not held to the past. You can't be emotionally present when you're living in the past, when you're angry with someone, holding on to resentments from the past. They will hold you back. You can't be present while you're living in the past. The next thing is that you, number three, take responsibility. Now, I love that word responsibility because ingrained in that is the ability to respond. Sometimes we tell ourselves that there's nothing we can do except for react. That's just what happens. Now, there are some biological instantaneous reactions that we might have, but then we have this one little extra step where we choose how we're going to respond. Sometimes we react and we recognize we're reacting poorly and we step back and you say, 
you know, I'm sorry about that. I didn't react well. Let me do this differently. And we start over. Sometimes we can stop the response, stop the reaction and move to a response that we would choose. We move to a higher place, a better way of having the ability to respond to a situation, not just react, not just be caught up in it, but choose our response. Check the show notes for a link to a podcast about how to take on that response ability. And the fourth thing is to practice gratitude, because one of the things that happens when we look at what we have rather than what we lack is that we find that we free up the past. Sometimes the past really gets a hold on us because we're constantly thinking about where we lacked, where we didn't get what we wanted, where we didn't have what we wanted. But when we practice gratitude and recognize that where we are is where we are and to be grateful for what we have around us, it changes our framing and our structure. So let's practice reverse fatalism. Let's begin to let the past be in the past and recognize that we do have choices about how we move forward and about how we discover our future from the present going into that future by accepting what already has happened and setting that to rest and then deciding to show up fully in life so that we're present in that moment, we're present to others, we're present to ourselves, that we take responsibility and that we practice gratitude on a daily basis. Now, before you walk away from this, I want to ask you to do something. This podcast, it can't be done without some help, and I'm asking for your help in this. And I'm asking for you to think about becoming my patron. Back in the ancient days, that was what would happen. If somebody wanted to be a painter or a sculptor or a creator or something, they would look for a patron, someone that would support them, that believed in what they were doing. So let me ask you a question. Have you found some place where Thrivology has helped you thrive more in life, has helped you cope more in life? If you have, I would love it if you would join my team, become a patron of this program. It's easy to do. And all I would ask you to do is think about, is there some level of of help that you think you've gotten? Is it 10 cents a day? Maybe that there's some change in you that has created enough value for 10 cents a day, maybe 20 cents a day. That would be $3 or $6 per month if you line it all up. And you know, if you wanted to throw me some coins, that would be nice every day. But since we can't do that, the way we do that is we use the service called Patreon. Patreon has a link on my webpage at Thrivology.com. If you're on that webpage, you probably see the banner, and it says Patreon in big orange letters. What you can do is click that, and it makes it very easy to to be a sustaining patron at a very low rate. You can go as low as a dollar. I would ask you to think, though, about maybe uh, $0.10 a day or $0.20 a day. That's 3 or $6 per uh, month that uh, helps us sustain the show. Now, 3 or $6 is not much. Uh, what is it, a cup of coffee, uh, maybe a nice cup of coffee these days, and that's it. But if you found enough that impacts your life, that changes your life, that makes it valuable for you, to listen to this. And if you're listening, my guess is that you've gotten to this point. If you're listening at this point, you've made it through the content and you're still hanging on. That tells me you made it through all of the content. So maybe something jarred loose for you. Maybe you found some new way of thriving in life. And so this is kind of like public radio. Not everybody's going to pay, but maybe you want to pay. Now, 
let's go back to public radio. I am uh, a supporter of the, our local radio, our local public radio, because I believe in what they do. And what I've realized is when I started supporting them, I started listening more and paying attention more and taking it in because I had some skin in the game. It makes some difference in how you take information in when you go from just a, it's a freebie to, hey, I think it's worthwhile. I'm going to invest. And so as a patron, you're investing in us helping people to thrive. Doesn't have to be a lot for you, but it sure helps us when people do that together. And, and the cumulative effect helps me to pay for the production cost and help me for the, to pay for the hosting cost and the time it takes to do this and the resources it takes. Have you found some place where this has been helpful for you? If it has, I would just like for you to consider whether that's something you would want to do. Just click the Patreon box. It's right on the web page, uh, and it should be just to the right there in orange letters, and that will take you to a simple way of signing up for that. Very painless. You can uh, decide to cancel that at any point, uh, but it becomes a process where you help sustain us. If you want to do just a one-time gift, you can also do that in Patreon. But what would you think about whether there's something that would be sustaining to this program to help you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to step up. I'm going to uh, be a patron. And I promise you, you'll get as much out of that because you'll truly invest. You'll listen when it's time to listen because you've invested. So if you have a chance and if you're willing, please think about being a patron. Otherwise, what I want to do is wish you a thriving life as you begin to practice reverse fatalism, letting the past go and moving forward more fully and more engaged into your future. listening to the Thriveology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it.